0: Last summer, Allie and I decided that we wanted to check some hikes off of our bucket list and we didn't have a whole lot of time. And I found what sounded like a really fun hike down near Eatonville. So we went to Little Michelle Falls and maybe you've been there, too. It's pretty accessible, takes about an hour plus to get there. And it's a pretty easy trail, a couple miles in and then gorgeous falls. But there's a couple of tricks to the trail so you park at a parking lot and then you find your way to this trail and the trail is pretty much just a dirt forest road it's super well marked by a sign that says do not enter but you ignore that and you enter and then for like a mile and a half or so you just walk on this dirt road that is very pretty and looks kind of like this picture that i have from it and then it gets a little tricky because the road just keeps going. And even if you have read the directions which say you need to look for the sign that says falls this way, it's really easy to miss, because it's not really a sign, it's a rock. And the rock has the word falls painted on it, and as you can see, it has graffiti over the top of it. So you have to really be looking for this rock that says falls this way, otherwise it's really easy to blow by. And then you go down what feels like a side trail because it's not wide like the main trail is. And then you get to this tree and it's really easy to miss the tree. And these little medallions are way up on the tree. So it's like they didn't really want you to find either, all three of them Michelle Shell Falls. But if you're paying attention to the rock and turn on the right path, and then if you happen to be looking in the right place and see the tree, you can eventually get to these falls and They're spectacular, they're worth going to. Well, we weren't the only ones on the trail that day. There was a group of guys who I would say were college guys, so you've all located them in time and space. And they were walking ahead of us, there's three of them, and they were having so much fun. They were laughing and talking, and they were picking up sticks, and they were having sword fights with them, and they were running around, everything that you can picture. And uh, we stopped a couple of times and let them get ahead of us. And then when we turned left at the rock, we didn't see them. And when we turned right at the tree, we didn't see them. And we were like, wonder what happened to the college kids? And after we were down there for an hour or so, we retraced our steps to go. Well, these poor dudes were coming back up the trail from the other way because they had completely missed the sign, they'd completely missed the rock, they completely missed the tree. They walked like another mile and a half and ended up in a parking lot, which they knew was not what they wanted to go. And the best that they could do was walk back the other direction. And then we told them where they wanted to turn. We all started out in the same place. We all headed for the same direction the same destination and we ended up in two different places because we were the only ones that saw the sign and it's these different paths that we can be on that Jesus uses to help us understand what our response needs to be to the uh, Sermon on the Mount. So the scripture today is relatively short, Matthew 7:13, and Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it." Well, this very very familiar passage of Jesus and everyone knows what it means. It means believe in Jesus or you're going to hell. So would you stand for the benediction? Well, while that might be the traditional interpretation, as with the whole Sermon on the Mount, we found that there's a little bit more there than meets the eye. So even though you'll need to stay a little bit longer, let's go a little bit deeper. First note, we're going somewhere. And that's so important. The goal of your life as a follower of Jesus is not sitting on your couch comfortably binge-watching Netflix. Sorry, not sorry. No matter what your life stage is, God has something for you. Uh, you might feel like you're too young you're still in school and nobody takes you seriously or maybe you're busy raising small kids and you don't have much time or you're growing in your career and you're traveling a lot working long hours or maybe you're older and you don't get around as easily as you used to or you're just tired more often no matter what your life stage is God has something specifically for you to do so when Jesus says follow me He invites us on an actual journey. And if you go back to the original disciples, when Jesus says this to Peter, James and John and the rest, they actually stop what they're doing and follow him. So the same invitation comes to us. And in our passage today, Jesus talks about how there are two paths that you can follow on this journey. So Jesus talks about gates and Jesus talks about paths and he's kind of mixing his metaphors here a little bit uh, because you can read it a couple different ways. Is there a path that leads to a gate or is there a gate that opens up into a path? And it's not really either. Uh, In fact, some variants of the story don't even have a gate on the wide path. It's two ways to make the same point. Gates or paths, one of them is easy to find and to get through and to follow the other one is more difficult. One will require very little of you, the other one will cost you a lot. One will, sticking with my metaphor, take you to the parking lot, the other one will get you to the waterfall. So for the sake of not getting confused, let's stick with path or road and we'll leave gates for later. So we're on this journey, we're going somewhere. To what? Where is the journey taking us? Well, there's lots of different ways that we could explain it. So let's try a couple of ways. So we as people, as human beings, we want to be moving to a place where our basic human needs are met. We have adequate food. We have clean water, clean air. We have shelter, a place to live. We want to be safe, a place where we're not worried about somebody attacking us or bad things happening. We want to belong. We want to have family and friends in a community that we're a part of we want to have a sense of self-esteem that we matter we want to be our fullest truest selves we want to make a difference thank you abraham maslow those are the things we're created for and we all look for those things in one form or another now we know that we find all of those things that we're searching for most completely in Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about. We've talked about how God provides for all of our needs. We don't have to worry about what we're going to wear or whether we're going to have the things that we need. God provides a community for us, a community of radical grace and love that we belong to, that we're important to, with him at the center. And God, God partners with us. He gives us gifts and he uses us and he uses us for his purpose and the journey that we're on that we find in Jesus is headed somewhere where everything that God has planned comes to a fruition when Jesus comes again not in a nuclear blast but in a blaze of glory where he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes where there will be no more sickness no more cancer no more dementia where sin and death no longer exist, where there's no more injustice, where there's not haves and have-nots, where everybody has what they need, where love wins and evil is done forever, where God comes to dwell with us, and he's our God and we are his people, and the shalom of God fills everything. And that starts now. That's where we're headed. Thank you, Jesus. Those are the things that we're seeking. The desire for those things are built into us and we're on this path to find those things. Now how God is making those things a reality is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. So now we've come to a new section in Jesus' remarks. The major teaching part that is over. We've heard about what the kingdom is like. We've heard what God is doing. But now in this new section, Jesus moves on to what do we need to do with that knowledge? How do we respond? to what we've heard jesus say and the right answer is not believe in him i'll let you just sit with that for a bit and we'll get back to that so this next section and that what we'll be looking at in the next couple of weeks are four examples of how we should choose to respond to what jesus has said and today is the first one of those so the choice is set out in the contrast of two roads one is wide The other one's narrow. One's popular and crowded. The other one is significantly less traveled. Then there's the contrast between their destinations. One takes you to the way of life. The other takes you on the way of destruction. But here's the kicker. Most people on those roads think they lead to the same place, but it's like the trail to Michelle falls. You think you're headed somewhere, fulfillment, self-actualization, peace, contentment, happiness, but you end up realizing that you're in the parking lot. You're in the wrong place because you took the wrong path. Not everyone looks at where their path is headed. In fact, I think very few people look at where their path is headed. They just get carried along with the crowd. In fact, that's pretty much the definition of the wide way. It's where we go effortlessly. The the wide way or the majority route doesn't have any entrance requirements. People find their way onto it without effort or thought, simply drifting with the crowd, going with the flow, thinking they're going to find peace and missing it by a mile. Megan and I have a friend that we love. She is a wonderful person and she's seeking something. We've talked to her about all sorts of things in life, including spiritual stuff. We've reached out to her. We've spent time with her. We've been there through the crises of her lives, of her life, and she keeps making bad decisions. To her way of thinking, they seem like they're the right ones because they're the fun ones. They're the popular ones. They're the ones that lots of people make. And she has plenty of people around her that tell her that the choices she makes are just fine. And man, I think about this all the time. I do not want to be held responsible for some of the bad advice people give to other people. But the result of these choices is her life is falling apart. And she is in the process of losing everything she's ever valued. And she still has friends that are pulling her along that path. I think at some level, she has a faith. I I think she likes Jesus at some level. But here's where we get to the rub in the choice that Jesus sets before us. The right response isn't to like Jesus. The right response isn't even to believe what Jesus says. The right response is to do what Jesus says. Believing what he says and actually do it tends to be two very different things in practice. Believing that the Jesus way is the right way doesn't get you anything. The book of James tells us that even the demons believe. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that all you need to do is believe. Nowhere does it say you say the sinner's prayer and you're in. The narrow path is found one way. It's only found by obedience. It's found by actually doing what Jesus says. So let's unpack that a little bit because I think there are three components to what we need to do to get onto the narrow road. Believing, trusting, and doing. But I think it's like the Trinity. They're all part of the same thing, one whole. So first of all, believing. First you have to hear or pay attention to what Jesus is saying. So there's some great ways to do that. Showing up on Sunday mornings to church, having personal devotions, being in a small group study, being in a mentoring relationship or spiritual friendship. Those are all great ways to hear about what Jesus is actually saying. And I think that's gonna be one of our biggest challenges in this coming year, knowing what it is that Jesus actually said. Because you're gonna hear a lot of people claim to know what Jesus is about. And that's why we've spent so much time in the Sermon on the Mount and why this fall we're going to continue to look at the actual words of Jesus so we know what Jesus said. So you have to hear and you have to know what Jesus said and then be convicted of the truth of it by the Holy Spirit and take a stand. I believe that. I mean, I recognize that the other voices all around me are telling me things that aren't really true. So I choose Jesus. But for this to make any difference at all, it has to move to the next step. We have to move from believing to trusting. And that is where you can say, I have confidence that what Jesus said is true. I found him to be faithful. And because of that, I can follow him wholeheartedly, even though it feels counterintuitive and countercultural sometimes. This is where the rubber really meets the road. I mean, I can trust that God will see me through retirement, even though I don't have the recommended $3 million in savings that everyone says I should. So because I can trust God, I can continue to be generous with my resources, instead of just looking to hit that target that my financial advisor tells me I should have. By the way, I don't even have a financial advisor. I can trust that God is in control of the big things and the little things. I don't have to worry and stress about elections or election results. I vote how I think Jesus would be most honored. Then I leave the rest up to him. I don't have to hate people. My word. I have had a lot of follow-up conversations about this this past week. And if you weren't here last week where we talked about hating, go back and listen to what I said. But hate is deeply ingrained in us. And it almost seems strange to not hate. So we have to believe and then we have to trust and then we have to move to doing you actually have to do that thing that you said you believe i mean if your beliefs don't lead to action do you really believe them i will continue to be generous with my finances i will not hate people I will realize that character matters and will seek to be a person of integrity even if my business would prosper more if I cheated. I think that's how we get on the narrow way and how we respond to Jesus. Jesus said all of this great stuff. And as I've described the community that Jesus is creating and the plan of God for our lives, I think more and more, I really want to be a part of that. But do I believe Jesus enough? Do I trust Jesus enough to actually do what he says? And the answer to that question will choose my path for me. There are two paths set before us. One of them will lead to life and the other one won't. Which path will you take? Because it's only the people who fight their way through the thoughtless contented crowd. It's only the people who see clearly that the priorities and the direction of the culture lead to destruction, not to life. It's only those people who find real life. So how do you get into the community that Jesus is creating? How do you find the narrow path? How do you reach the waterfall and not the parking lot? You do what he says. And that's harder than it looks because most of us are controlled by cultural conditioning. We have another friend, and tragically, they're going through a divorce. And their friends encouraged the behavior that led to divorce. And as soon as word got out that the marriage was ending, people chose sides and started giving, here's how you get divorced advice. And I'm sure that the advice was legally sound, but it made me sad. It's not because they don't, Think some marriages end, they do. It's because of how easily and quickly the destructive advice came. I was thinking, these are two people that you cared about, and now you'll only care about one? You contributed to the problem, and now you have no interest in fixing it? This is going to ruin a family, and you're pretty much okay with that. But that's the way of the world. That's the wide road, and it leads to destruction. Years ago, I mean, years ago, uh, Megan belonged, Megan and her family belonged to a family group that started a, a long time ago and they were raised up in it. And at one point, one of the couples in the family group um, were having marital problems and they were looking at separating and divorcing. That small group gathered around them and they said every Sunday night. We're going to come over to your house and we're going to have dinner together and we're going to sit and we're going to talk and the guys will meet in one room and the gals will meet in another room. And it was that support and it was that care. It was the people walking with them on the narrow way that saved that marriage and saved that family because people decided it was worth investing in. It was worth being countercultural, and it made an enormous difference in that family's life. A couple of years ago, Megan and I knew some people whose marriage um, was really having a lot of problems, and people invested in them again. I mean, guys took the guy out um, hiking and invested in them, and other people spent time with the woman in the marriage, and they loved them, and they cared for them, and they tried everything they could to see if they couldn't make the marriage work, And the marriage ended up dissolving. But it wasn't because people didn't try. It wasn't because people weren't interested. They were. They still took the narrow way. People cared, they got involved, they sought to be redemptive, they sought to help. That's the narrow way. Two paths. And these choices come before us constantly. There are all these things that Jesus says and all of these messages that we get from our culture we can blindly go with the flow or we can choose to go with the flow because it's easier and generally only ask questions like what will make me happy at this point in time i look around at some of the things that we're struggling with and it's mind-boggling to me and i think how did we get here and in part it's because jesus followers went with the flow instead of following the narrow way. In part, it's because Jesus' followers thought that the narrow road was defined by certain doctrines and certain beliefs. We may have lost the fact that the narrow road is found by knowing what Jesus actually taught, knowing what God's priorities actually are, and doing those things. If you don't look for the rock, if you don't believe, if you don't trust Jesus, if you don't do what he says, no matter what you tell yourself, you're headed to the parking lot, not the waterfall. And Jesus uses really strong language for this. The wide road leads to destruction, and we see that around us all of the time. It's a constant choice, and maybe even a struggle, to walk the narrow path. But only the narrow path gets you to real life. Now. I'm hoping that you're already thinking of ways how you could more faithfully walk the narrow path and not just get swept along on the wide one. But I want to share an example with you because a major feature of the narrow path is caring about what Jesus cares about. And to quote the Apostle James again, he tells us that true religion is caring for the widows and the orphans. Now, we talk about this all the time. You can't care for everything. You simply can't. But what you can care for are the things that are in front of you, because those may be things that God has dropped into your lap. So something got dropped into our lap. We're in the process of getting ready for CMJ Sunday, Compassion, Mercy and Justice, which is be like our 14th year or something like that. And I hope you'll all be a part of it because it's a great opportunity to get out and work and help in our community. And so we've been scouting out people that we could help situations. And we got connected through an organization with some people out on the KP that need some help. And so Blake went over and scouted it out the other day. And one of the situations, he met a really lovely older woman, doesn't have any family around, uh, lives in kind of a basic house, hasn't had a whole lot done to it. Her rent is relatively inexpensive um, but her landlord keeps threatening to raise it and Blake said could you pay it if he raised and she's like no I'd have to find someplace else we sort of suspect that she's living on social security alone so that provides some context for you so we're there to help provide some cleanup work on the outside which You'd think maybe the landlord would want to do but as we listened to the story i began to realize what's going on here the landlord is probably charging you know lower than market value for the house but here's why she told blake that the house is filled with black mold and it's affecting her health she thinks she doesn't really know how to tell she's been to the doctor And there's evidence of black mold that shows in her blood tests i mean black mold is nothing to fool around with folks so here's a woman who's all by herself she's older she has no resources to do anything about the situation she's in i have no idea what to think about the landlord Uh, maybe he's absentee maybe he doesn't know i don't suspect that's the truth but we'll cut him a little bit of slack But she's living in a situation that none of us would tolerate. And I also suspect if she starts to make some demands on the situation, he might boot her out. So now this is in front of us. It's a widow. It's a person with no resources. It's a justice issue. What do we do? And most of the options that we would take really just sound like be warm, be clothed, be fed, be well. I mean, I guess we could all rummage through our junk drawers and find old KN95 masks that we aren't gonna use anymore and give them to her and she could wear them and maybe would feel a little bit better about ourselves. But somehow, that doesn't seem like an adequate response. What would an adequate response be? How would we walk the narrow road? How would we care about what Jesus cares about? How would we live counterculturally even though we get so pulled along by what we need and what we want? Just a practical example of the choice that we have to live on the wide path or on the narrow one. So let me ask you three questions. What's an area in your life where you realize you're just going with the flow? Number two, what's an area in your life where you realize that you're consciously choosing to do what Jesus says. And number three, what's the hardest thing for you about following Jesus? Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel, or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcov.church.